Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. It is certainly hard to believe that we are down to just three weeks left in the NFL season before the playoffs begin, but that's where we have arrived, and you have arrived at the early edge. Your daily and weekly sports betting brand of record. We are powered as always. You see it over my shoulder by the almighty sports line, the best value in all of sports betting, but it's not close. M squared said it all the way back in the beginning of the season. This is the most important hour of the entire week. Why do we say that? Because we break down every single game on the board. We try to get ahead of the numbers we think are a little bit off. We also caution you to wait on certain games as well. And then we give you the information that you can use to head into Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. That's right. Four days full of games this week so we have a lot to get to let's bring in the stars of the show and i'm gonna go with two of my three ogs maestro is on assignment this week so we start with the stoic one he runs everything nfl at Sportsline. he is rj white rj great comeback by your bills and now you guys are in the driver's seat for that number one seat good afternoon Good afternoon. Hopefully we can hang on to it. A massive game next week against the Bengals, but you can't look ahead, obviously, in the NFL, so we'll see what's there. How about that weekend of NFL football we got? That Saturday mm-hmm. comeback, that snow game at the in the Bills game you're talking about, and then just some incredible games on Sunday as well. Just what a week of football. And then you sandwich all that around the World Cup final, probably the best World Cup final ever. So just an incredible weekend for sports. There's no, no question. I said it on Sunday. This weekend was the reason we invented the early edge. How much fun was it to make the picks, watch them cash, but just watch some great sports. By the way, you didn't mention perhaps the craziest finish in the history of the NFL in that Pats and Raiders game as well. It was just bananas. M squared live from Nashville, Tennessee, the penthouse level. Which game were you on last week that was the craziest in your mind? Whew, craziest in my I mean, honestly, the Bucks game was pretty crazy. I think they turned the ball over on four of nine snaps at one point. They had four turnovers in the third quarter on nine plays. Uh, really, really, really hard to do. Yeah. That situation there, just just to say that there was four those four drives. They gave up 24 points on those four drives. The the Bengals had less than 100 yards total on those. That's how bad the field position was each and every time. It was like a 30 yard drive, 30 yard drive, 15 yard, just that type of thing over and over. Just perfect field position for the Bengals there. And in his award winning podcast with Jim Gray, uh, Tom Brady said, I can't do that. Really, Tom? You can't turn over four times in eight minutes or whatever it was. You can't do that? Okay. He also said, I empathize with those people who struggle in their lives at their jobs. 
Do you really, Tom? Do you really, Tom? You have no clue what we go through on the day-to-day. All right, let's get into it because we've got a lot of games to get to. As I mentioned, gentlemen, we got games on Thursday night. We've got a full slate on Christmas Eve, which is Saturday. Three more games on Sunday than, of course, Monday night football on Monday. So let's get into it. Game number one, no official plays in this one. Jags at the Jets. This is a big one for both teams. The Jets find themselves 7-7 and and tied for last place in the AFC East. The Jags are surging. They were down 17 at home to Dallas, come back and win on a pick six, 40 to 34. Interesting here that the Jets are laying one, total 38. RJ, let's start with you. Do you agree with the Jets being the favorite in this game? Yeah, I've just put out my power ratings today. I actually have the Jaguars in the top 10 along with the Detroit Lions, both at one and a half points uh, above average. But the Jets are right there behind them. A little worried about Zach Wilson, but he showed up and it seemed like the team rallied around him offensively. That was my one worry going into the game is that people would hang their heads because they have Zach Wilson back at quarterback. But it seemed it seemed like the team rallied, kind of rallied around him and he, he won back his teammates and they can play as a unit moving forward. This Jacksonville team just gained 503 yards against Dallas. Only one other team has had 400 yards against Dallas. And the Jets Jets defense only gave up one touchdown to Detroit, despite no Quinnen, but there was 5.4 yards per play in that game. So I think the uh, the Jacksonville offensive line being top five in sack rate helps, but they just lost their left tackle for the year, and Juwan Taylor's banged up at right tackle as well. It's supposed to be a rainy game that could help the Jets style of play, make it tougher for Lawrence to succeed. All in all, it feels like a coin flip game to me, worth teasing if it gets to one and a half for either team. Right now, because the Jets are favored by one, I would take the point with Jaguars, just thinking it's kind of a 50-50 game. Yeah, reading the chat says, I'm pulling for the Jags. I have a futures ticket from September to make the playoffs. And that's the question, M squared, is Jacksonville, it's kind of fun to play when you're out of the conversation. You're just freewheeling them. And now, Titans struggling. They're playing well. They're just one game back of a playoff spot. Do you think that changes how the Jags play? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it definitely changes in terms of keeping everybody highly, highly motivated in this spot. Um, I don't think it's a particularly easy spot for them. Uh, the The Jets' defense itself is really, really good. Uh, I, I think that we all kind of know that, or at least getting to that point. Uh, Quentin Williams should be back for this one as well. So, I, look, I don't, I don't have a play on the game. I have a slight lean towards the Jets here, though, in this particular spot. I'm still worried about the Jaguars' defense. Uh, I mean, for – the Jags defensively, they're going to give up a ton of points. We've seen that time and time again. They're giving up scores on, I believe, like 40% of drives right now. It's pretty crazy uh, at this point. And honestly, I don't think that Zach Wilson looked horrible in the first game back here. I, I think he was okay at times. He looked really good at other times. Um, I, I don't think that this is a particularly difficult matchup for him. I think it's fascinating because we have one and number two picks uh, from the 2021 draft here playing against each other on Thursday Night Football. Um, but yeah, the game is, is really tight. I don't have a ton of value. I think the market's dead on where it's supposed to be, but I'm going to lean with the home team on the short week because they are the better defensive unit. Quick question. Based off of everything I just heard you say, the total sitting at 38, would you attack that? I don't mind it. Um, I, I think it's mostly, I I could make the argument up to 40. Um, I think that it's possible that we get there to it, but not something I'm going to play initially. My hope is that the Jets defense shows up, stops the Jags the first drive. Zach Wilson doesn't have a great first drive. Now we get a number in the mid to low 30s. That's one where I would feel super, super confident in. What I want you to do if you want to bet it, feel free if you like the total, go over now if you want. But keep a 20 to 17 victory in play with these two teams. Uh, anytime the Jets play and you can keep a 20 to 17 victory in play, I think it's a pretty good look on a total. 
If you are brand new watching this live or watching this on demand, Mikey is our, whatever you want to call him, live betting is his, he has a lot of strengths, but I encourage you to follow him on Twitter and watch him on these shows because there is an art to betting it live. You don't just blindly do it. Listen to the information he's giving you on how to do it. All right, that's Thursday Night Football, gentlemen. Let's move to Saturday. And there is a full slate of Saturday games that I'm very much excited about. We're going to start, RJ, with you because you have a best bet in this game. Your Bills are going on the road and laying a big number, minus nine. The Bears were able to stay within contact of the Eagles last week, and they covered total 40 and a half. Which side do you like? I'm always the Bills optimist. I'm, I'm on the Bears right here, plus nine here. I mean, right now it looks very cold. Uh, it could be like six degrees, single digits, 20-mile-an-hour winds. I think that could limit the scoring and really affect the Bills' passing offense more than the Bears, which we know want to be a run game heavy um, and do what they did against the Eagles there. Biggest home loss Chicago has had was by nine. And, and, and that's pretty, pretty revealing considering how bad that defense is and is projected to be. Um, but Green Bay scored a late, long touchdown there. Um, so I think that they can continue to have success at home. Buffalo hasn't faced a running quarterback since week four at Baltimore. I don't know that they're necessarily that ready for fields. I know they get to practice um, against a pretty mobile quarterback every week. So we'll see see if that helps them out here. But I think Chicago, which is getting back Khalil Herbert, designated to return off the IR, uh, is going to help them predicated on rushing in this game and be able to rush more with their dual system there, plus um, Justin, Justin Fields running the ball. Buffalo's won by eight more than once since week eight. Def- defense struggled versus Miami's rush offense not what you want to see when you're going up against the bears so all this adds up to me with this low total of 40 and a half that it's not just going to be the bills running away and scoring a ton of points it's going to be a relatively close game love catching the nine points here might even be able to get it at nine and a half at some spots but i'm back in the bears it's such an environment when you think about an m squared everything that rg said is point is spot on you're going to be playing cold weather it's going to be on a saturday your schedule is going to be thrown off just a little bit and let's not remember let's not forget they were down by eight at home to the dolphins and then had to rally to win this game. Is this a perfect spot for the Bears play? Yeah, definitely the way I would lean in the game. Uh, so my numbers make the game eight. Um, you know, it's giving Chicago quite a bit of credit, but it's also factoring in the weather uh, pretty significantly. You're going to hear me talk about the weather. You're going to hear a lot of people talk about the weather all week this week because it is a massive cold front across the country. This game, the wind chill will be negative 10 to 15 degrees in this game. Just a massive, massive difference. It's not even remotely close. We saw it a little bit with Green Bay last night, but it's not even remotely close to comparing it to a freezing game when it's 30 degrees outside. Uh, it has a big, big impact in the kicking. It's a big impact in the passing game. We know the Bears want to run the ball. The Bills are going to run the ball with Josh Allen, but they also don't want to get him hurt in a game like this as well. Uh, the mission here, certainly get in, get out with the win, stay as healthy as possible. The total is probably the most telling thing here, considering how many points the uh, the Bears typically give up and how much this Bills offense can score. If it wasn't this cold outside, this would be a bare minimum of 44.5 total, potentially 46.5 total. Uh, this thing's all the way down to 40.5. It's a big number with a total that um, very confident they win the game, likely by a touchdown. Really difficult to say that they're going to go in and win by two touchdowns in this particular environment. So if I had to play it, I would definitely be on RJ's side of Chicago here. To Mikey's point, last week, 30 carries, 157 yards against the Eagles, who are the number one seed currently in the NFC. That is the way to shorten this game. 
and stay within the nine points. Mikey, thank you very much. All right, let's move on to game number two on Saturday, 1 o'clock Eastern. It's the Saints on the road in Cleveland against a Cleveland Browns team that got their first win with Deshaun Watson at quarterback, although it was 13-3. to They did cover the spread. They didn't look great, but they covered the spread. Total, it almost looks like a misprint. I think my paper says 32? What? So, RJ, I know you like a side in here, but lately you and Mikey have done a great job of educating the audience on when a perfect teaser leg has come into play. What do you like here? Yeah, I did like the Saints plus three. Gave it out on Sportsline earlier today. It's now dropped to two and a half. At two and a half, love the Saints as a teaser. Um, I would have teased it as not at nine two, up to nine two, even though I typically don't tease off the three because of that super low total. Incredibly cold game, incredibly windy. It's even windier probably than the Bills Patriots game people remember from last year. This that tells me it's going to be a 12 to nine, eight to six type of game. It's one of those ugly games where there's hardly going to be any points. So, that being the case, if the weather patterns hold and if those projections hold, I, I would take the under at any number. I just don't want to play it now just in case weather shifts. But if it's the weather we're expecting, I mean, it's going to it's going to be a very low scoring game. And New Orleans uh, offense best outdoor game was 16 points at Tampa Bay. Um, they've had 14, 13, 10 and zero other, other besides that. So they don't score a ton of points anyway. Cleveland's offense had two touchdowns in three games with Watson at quarterback. With these bad offenses, game might finish under 30 in good weather. And, and when you throw in the weather here, I mean, a good good chance it's going to finish under there. And New Orleans has a weak conventional rushing attack. Um, they don't get a lot done, you know, handing off to running backs. They haven't used Kamara as much as they should. But they should play Taysom Hill at a quarterback a ton. They're, they're very uniquely set up to, to kind of thrive in this type of game because they can throw Taysom Hill at quarterback and run those plays where he doesn't have to throw downfield much and he can just either hand off or, or keep it and, and pick up some first downs yards with his legs and now you got Nick Chubb managing a foot injury mispractice today we'll see how effective Cleveland's run game can be if he's less than 100% in this these brutal conditions so I really like New Orleans here um but with this super low total love teasing it up to the eight and a half now that it's at two and a half but but we know we put it in at nine earlier you know it's funny because we had two games that had really really cold weather we saw an over in Buffalo come in really easily and then in Green Bay last night it almost came in but at 24 to 12 it was clear they were trying to get in and get out so Mikey sometimes in these cold weather games field goals come into play safeties but maybe the money line here and as I look at it, it's currently minus 150 if you want to get the Browns on the money line not worried about the two and a half how are you looking to attack this game if you had to if I'm looking to attack it, uh, RJ's got the best angle with a teaser leg at two and a half. It's by far one of the best teaser legs of the week, uh, especially with that super low total. Um, you know, there's a couple of pieces of news we have to look at here. Number one, Nick Chubb, is he going to play? He missed practice today, as RJ mentioned, dealing with a foot injury, certainly not the kind of game and conditions you want to be playing hobbled on. Uh, just, it's going to be miserably cold. Um, not a great situation for that. But I think the great equalizer here, which is crazy to say this, I guess, is Taysom Hill, right? Uh, Taysom Hill is going to be able to run this offense, and he is a legitimate weapon. He's still good enough in the passing game to still hit him with a surprise pass at times. Uh, I think it sets up in a game where the Saints can really kind of control possession a little bit here. Um, it's mostly a coin flip game. I still lean towards the under despite the number at 32, uh, like RJ. Um, fun fact on this game. It was 31 and a half. If it stays at 31 and a half or closes at 31 and a half, it will be the lowest closing line in an NFL game in 14 years. Um, I think that it'll potentially close there personally. It just, you know, we're a little too far out on the weather to know exactly when it's going to hit, what it's going to look like there. But as of right now, it's going to be very cold, very windy. We're talking negative 10 degree wind chills in this one. 
I would be very, very careful. There's a reason Mikey and RJ give you these Chick-fil-A nuggets. Just because it's a low total doesn't mean you just hammer one side of it. You really got to look at the numbers, look at the weather, look at all of that. By the way, Jeffrey in the chat says, uh, nasty storm coming. I live on the other side of Lake Michigan. All right, Jeffrey, keep it coming on the shows. We know you're in the chat all the time. Let us know that weather is where you're living so it can help us with the shows on Saturday. All right. Next game, game number three at 1 o'clock on Christmas Eve. Texans, do not sleep, gentlemen, on Houston. They almost beat the Cowboys. Then they take the Chiefs to overtime at home last week. So this week, the Titans really struggling. They fall into 7-7. Seven and seven. They're laying five, though. The total is 37. So, Mikey, let me start with you on this one. The Titans have proven before the last couple of weeks, hey, we're grinders, we're blue-collar, we can get it done. But now... They're starting to stub their toe in Jacksonville just one game back. Is Tennessee feeling the pressure? And is this number too high based off what the Texans have done the last two weeks? You know, I'll say they're feeling the pressure in the sense that they're just beat up. They, they have the most injuries in the NFL by far once again this year. It's a very common problem. Whatever they're doing training-wise, I am not sure. But Tennessee definitely always dealing with the injuries. Uh, it's going to be a heavy dose of Derrick Henry here. Ryan Tannehill, uphill battle to play in this game. That's why we've seen the line movement from 7 to 5. Um, look, I, I think that they ultimately figure out a way to get it done and get the win. You know, it's never fun to really sit there and say Houston's not trying to win because they obviously took the Kansas City Chiefs to overtime. The guys on the field are battling. They're not necessarily in positions where they really need to and want to go win football games at this point. So I'm not super interested in backing them here at five. It's a much different story than getting double digits against some of the other opponents. Uh, it is still a road game not a home game like where they were getting double digits before. This is a road game for them outdoors. Another one of the spots here in Nashville going to be absolutely brutal weather-wise. You know, wind chill at this one, three to four degrees, potentially as high as five, definitely under 10 on the wind chill. Just a very uncomfortable environment to play in. Now you got to try and tackle Derrick Henry in that weather. Good luck. Um, a lot like A.J. Dillon last night with the Rams trying to tackle him. Uh, it's a big day for Derrick Henry. I'll maybe isolate some of his player props looking at longest rush uh, stuff there. But other than that, I, I I don't want any part of betting this game. I can't back a team in the Texans that I know really doesn't really have a big desire to go win football games. That's a great, great point. By the way, Derrick Henry last week in the friendly confines of SoFi Stadium, 163 total yards, 59 in the air, total 37. And when you look at uh, attacking props last week, RJ, Derrick Henry's reception prop was only 13 and a half yards, and he got to 59. So are props the only way you can see this game being attacked, or do you like one of the sides or the total? Well, I'll tell you, a few weeks ago, I said I'm never taking the Texans again this year. I had them, I think, at plus three and a half against a bad team, and they got pasted. And uh, then they've done this the last few weeks, and they're, like, trying to get me to take them, and I'm still not going to do it. I would lean that way at this number um, because they've been competitive, and, and Titans might have their backup quarterback. Tannehill surprisingly returned after getting carted off. It didn't don't really see that that often for the quarterback. Um, I don't think he plays here, and that's the way the number is trending down. The look ahead was eight and a half. I assume it's going to get even lower than this. But Malik Willis played against the Texans the last time earlier in the year. And they, he, that was one of his games. He went six for ten for fifty-five yards. Had a massive passing game there. And Derrick Henry had thirty-two carries for two hundred nineteen yards. That's got to be the game plan here. And they can win the game even with Henry just you know 
running it. I don't know that they throw it a bunch to him if Malik Willis is at quarterback because with the cold, they don't want to trust him trying to catch passes. Just give it to him. Let him run some wildcat and, and let him go hog wild running the ball. Tennessee's offense, though, has scored more than 17 just twice since week five. Um, you know, I, I've been ragging on the Denver offense. They can't score points. And that mark there, not being able to top 17 more than twice since week five, I mean, that's that's Denver level bad. Um, so I don't know that I, I trust Titans to cover a relatively big number here. That's why we lean to Houston. Houston continues to fight, but, you know, they, they took Kansas City to overtime there. But they were outgained in yardage, 502 yards to 219 in that game. The score didn't reflect how many yards were gained in that game. They, they were, you know, marched up and down the field by Kansas City. Just happened to be a close game at the end. So I just can't back Houston. Houston hard might just be a Henry game and Houston doesn't score. So if you want to play, you're probably just looking at Henry props and then under whatever passing props they want to throw out there. Every time I see Willis play, I just think to myself, if I'm a Titans fan, please, Ryan Tannehill, never get hurt for the next four or five years because Willis is not an NFL quarterback. He's just not. He's just not. All right. Game number four on Saturday. And this is a an interesting matchup, guys. Because you have the Chiefs, who are tied for the number one seed at 11-3. and We just cashed their futures ticket at over 10.5 wins this past Sunday. But we did it in overtime in Houston against the one-win Texans. So now the Chiefs come back home. They're laying a robust 9.5 against the Seahawks team that just can't win right now. They're 7-7 and on the outside now. Look at in. you got the Lions that have moved to 7-7. and So Seahawks, if they have a quick finish, sure, they could do something but they're not playing well. They lost by eight at home to the 49ers. So, RJ, let me start with you. I don't know where to go on this, but the Chiefs have showed us this entire year you cannot bet on them to cover any spread at all. Thoughts? Yeah, it's going to be a very cold game here, but not as windy. I'm sure, uh, Mike, you'll get into the weather there. Um, so that's why you see this 48 and a half total as opposed to some of the other ones where it's 40. Um, so more potential for points here means you could cover a bigger number. Kansas City's offense, number one in yards per play, had 503 yards last week, like I just said. Seattle's defense back to being horrendous. They can't stop anyone. But the only game Seattle lost by more than seven were against the elite San Francisco defense twice. And with Geno Smith, he hasn't been playing as well in the last few weeks as he was earlier in the year. I think even without Tyler Lockett, he can still do enough to backdoor cover. The Chiefs defense isn't that good. Um, like you're talking about, massive number. They don't cover these big numbers. Uh, Kansas City gave up 52 points the last two weeks to Denver and Houston. I mean, those are two of the worst offenses you'll see. You can't give up that many points. I know there were turnovers that were that that played a part there, but you need to stop doing that, number one. And then number two, you, you got to keep these teams at the end zone because they're not very good at scoring touchdowns. So my power ratings say this line should be 11 and a half if you just look at the strengths of the teams. But with Seattle's backdoor potential, I wouldn't be willing to wait, lay that much. That's why I'm leaning to Seattle here. We'll see if it gets to 10. And if it is at 10, I might look to Seattle. Well, here's the thing, RJ. And as I go to you, M Square, there are two names that I'm looking at that the Chiefs just will not be able to cover. Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And then when they start catching balls, Kenneth Walker, who came back last week, wasn't used a ton, did have 47 yards, but he should be full go this week. Mikey, this game scares me as a Chiefs fan. Does it scare you? You know, if they had Tyler Lockett, I think it would. Uh, but, you know, losing him is a huge, huge loss, in my opinion. So, you know, not having him out there definitely impacts DK Metcalf a little bit. Um, you know, like it's still going to be brutally cold. The wind's not going to be there, but it's still going to be a cold, cold game here. Definitely below zero in terms of the wind chill in this game. Um, look, Kansas City in these particular spots at home, they've trended really well towards the under. This is the spot where we've seen them have the long sustained seven, eight minute drives. Those drives, you know, that take 
half to three quarters of a quarter where they're able to go score. Um, you know, it's not a comfortable play. It's not fun. I only have a lean on the under in this game. Uh, I think the numbers should be 45 in this particular spot. Yes, it is terrifying the way they play defense, both sides. Um, I don't see a ton of desire for Kansas City to go run it up personally. So that's where I lean on it. The simulation number in terms of the spread, it makes it nine. Uh, just the slightest of lean towards the Seahawks. Um, but again, I'm worried about the passing offense just a little bit. It is a tough spot to go in and win a football game. Um, yeah, Kansas City does not cover as basically we're going to call this a double digit underdog or, or yeah. double digit favorite because uh, they would have to win by double digits to cover the spread. This stat dates all the way back to 1970. Ooh. Kansas City is 16, 31 and two as a double digit favorite against this one. Wow. They have been absolutely miserable covering double digit spreads. And the other thing that drives drives me absolutely insane as a better, not as a fan, as a better, is that it looks like Patrick Mahomes and all the times that he's hung out with Aaron Rodgers doing those State Farm commercials, he's learned how when you get a six-point lead, how you can make a drive last 10 minutes. So the over is something you can't bet anymore because Mahomes will take the play clock all the way down and then do nothing with it or punt it away. It's just you can't attack anything with them right now other than our fandom. That's it. <laughs> Moving on. This is a big, big, big game this week, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking about the Giants who went in to Washington, looked like the better team, got it done 20-12, to 12, despite we know what happened with the referees. We get that. The Vikings, greatest comeback in the history of the NFL. If you missed it, Wow, 36 or 39 36 in overtime. They were down 33 to nothing to the Colts and came all the way back to win it and easily sailed to the over. If you bought it down to three, you pushed that miracle as well. Mikey, I'm starting with you because after last week, people can say that the Vikings are frauds all they want. They're a first place team and they figure out ways to win. What do you like here? Yeah, they figure out ways to win. And, you know, if you've watched me for a while, you're telling me to make up my mind on this team because, you know what, I'm back in Minnesota here. Minus three, uh, now up to minus three and a half. It's unfortunate if you've missed that. I, I did lay minus 115 on the minus three here. Look, I, I bet against Minnesota last week, worked out. I ended up betting on Minnesota live, got lucky, got both of them at once. Uh, I don't think the team's very good, but I really don't think the Giants are that good. Uh, the Giants... They, they won the game against Washington. They won the game because Thibodeau made a really, really great play on a strip sack that ended in a touchdown. That was the difference in that game. They, you know, the defense and the offense put them in a position to win the game, but they weren't great in that particular game. Now they got to go on the road to Minnesota here. Minnesota is still better offensively. They're, the, the Giants' defense is not great enough to keep Minnesota off the scoreboard. Minnesota wins this game in a shootout if that's what it takes here. But all the skill position players are ready there. Uh, Justin Jefferson should have whatever he wants in this particular game. He is chasing records. They're going to go out and get the record, even if that means running it up a little bit and covering the spread for us in this particular game. Uh, but I, I do believe that Minnesota, because of what they showed to the Colts and the Giants beating Washington in that particular spot, we've seen a little bit of overreaction here. I think the number on this game should be six. Uh, so I do like Minnesota here, minus three, minus three and a half. Yeah, Justin Jefferson needs 342 yards to break the all-time record. He's averaging currently, RJ, 116 yards a game. But 
the Vikings may have found a good number two in all of that craziness from Saturday in K.J. Osborne, who also went over 100 yards. Good one-two punch. With that comeback, what do you think that does for the Vikings? It probably convinces them that they're a good team and a better team than they actually are. Um, the, my, you know, I would not lay more than three with the Vikings ever at this point. My power ratings say the line should be five because the Giants aren't very good either. But I just can't play Minnesota if they're laying over three. And if they are laying over three, I'm looking to back. I'm, I'm eyeing the other team and seeing if there are reasons to back that team. Now, Giants don't have a good offense, like Mikey's saying. Top 200 pass yards three times all year. But they do have a great offensive-minded coach. They just haven't had the talent to uh, to execute there. And they've had a lot of tough matchups playing in the NFC East. I think Dayball can scheme up some things and get them some offensive work to beat this really, really bad Minnesota defense. They've struggled a lot for a lot of the year. And uh, we saw that in that first half against, against Indy, who lost Jonathan Taylor early in that game when they were just still able to rack up points. Um, so the Giants were outgained by 100 yards in their win over Washington. The defense was the difference there. I don't know if they're going to necessarily get that against a Vikings team offense that plays pretty well, especially, you know, being at home. But with the Vikings, I just I can't trust them, and, and I'm looking to fade them with a good offensive mind at coach. So I'm leaning to the Giants here at plus three and a half, even knowing that the Giants talent-wise don't, don't measure up to the Vikings at all. It's just really a coaching thing, and knowing that the Vikings are willing to let anybody cover, um, you know, a, a moderate number against them. Man, at least you got two teams that we can agree on one thing. They'll be happy they're not playing in Cleveland or Nashville or Kansas City. They're playing indoors in Minnesota, which will be a good thing uh, Christmas week. All right, six games down, two more at 1 o'clock on Christmas Eve, which is Saturday. Now, this one, I don't even know where to start, boys. Uh, I'm going to start with you, RJ, because the Bengals are on fire. They fell down 17 to nothing. The Bucks. Then a bunch of turnovers. They give up 33 straight points. They end up losing 33 to 23. The Bucks continue to be in first place, though, but now just one game ahead of three other teams in their division. But it's about the Bengals laying three and a half on the road against the Patriots. Guys, how do you bounce back? And I'll start with you, RJ. How do you bounce back when you lose a game, when you're inside of the playoff race at the time and you lose it the way they lost it? with Jacoby Myers, who owned it, I'll give him that, but it was perhaps everybody else who's had a dumb play in NFL history. Oh, they went like, whoo, thank you, Jacoby Myers, because now it's about him and that stupidity. How do you How do you respond? How do you come back from that? Yeah, you do it with good coaching. Uh, but if you had good coaching, you don't get in that situation. You know, let the players know what the situation is before the play. I know the coach, it's not the coach's fault. They didn't call a lateral on the play. He took it, you know, ownership of that like he, he's going to do because he's a leader on that team and he's a good player. Um, but everybody's got to know what the situation is. Don't lateral. Don't put yourself in a position to lose the game on a lateral. Take it into overtime if you have to. That's why you're calling those plays. Maybe just kneel the ball. You know, why, why are you running up the middle? You're not going to you're not gonna get that touchdown there. And because he got enough yards, he started to think oh maybe I can score here your laterals it back to Jacoby and then the rest is history so if you have good coaching you can come back from that and get everybody on the same page wipe it from their mind I'm not necessarily sure the Patriots have good coaching uh, a mental miscue like that happens and it's not Bill Belichick at head coach people start whispering maybe this guy doesn't have it we need to start looking somewhere else but because he's the greatest of all time at coach he gets a pass there um, but it's about the Bengals here 11 and 1 against spread in the last 12 they keep cashing for backers even when it looks bleak like you talked about in that Bucks game just 3.8 yards per play against Tampa got to 
start inside Tampa's 40 on four straight drives, like I mentioned earlier during their rally. New England's defense is fifth in yards per play, but a lot of their games came against backup quarterbacks, and they let Vegas roll down the field at the end of the game, get the touchdown to tie it up. I know controversy there, was it a touchdown or not, before you even get to the dumb play. Um, but that defense should have should have been able to hold in that situation, and they didn't. Uh, New England's defense, third in sack, right? They can put pressure on Cincy's O-line if the offense is avoiding turnovers and keep it keep it to a, um, a close game. So I do think the New England defense could have some success if, if the, the pass rush is there. But Burrow's going to get there in the end. I don't think the New England offense can keep up with him. So I would lean to Cincy minus three and a half. I think this line probably deserves to be probably about two points higher here. Now, Mikey, even though the Bengals have won six and they are now on top of their division at 10 and four and rolling, this the bigger storyline here is how that play and the Patriots have brought so many other teams back into the conversation. You've got Cleveland, Pittsburgh, both six and eight, just one back of Patriots. You've got the Jets, who are currently seven and seven. You've got the Chargers, who are eight and six, one a game, one game ahead of that. You've got Jacksonville at six and eight. So now all of a sudden, there's playoffs to start thinking about. And with that extra game now, so many teams are in play. Do you think the Patriots can bounce back? Not just the cover here. I don't care about that. We do. But to win the game. Yeah, look, I think winning the game is, is going to be very, very difficult for them. I think they can definitely cover this spread. Um, I, I think that, the you know, defensively, they actually have the pieces in place on paper to limit the Cincinnati offense, put enough pressure on Joe Burrow. That's when he's going to struggle. If you can really, really get to him early in a hostile road environment, that's where he's going to be able to struggle. You know, the Bengals kind of catch a break here, right? It's a road game in Foxborough, but it's the one place that's not actually going to be that cold this weekend, 30 degrees. It's a normal situation. It's not anything like we've seen in all these other places across the country, really. And so they, they do catch a little bit of a break in that sense. Um, I think they win the game. I don't want to bet on them to cover the spread in this particular spot. Uh, I still think they didn't play super well against the Bucs. I think they deserve to lose that game against the Bucs for the most part. Um, you know, just the sense of having four turnovers on nine plays all right there, setting you up for 30 to 40 yard drives. It just, it's, it's kind of a fluky thing. Yes. The defense did create some of the turnovers, definitely not all of them. Um, so I think that that result, you know, very concerning that they fell behind 17, nothing in that game. Um, it's tough to win road games in the NFL. So I think that the, the, uh, the Patriots can cover the spread here. Um, I'm not going to bet this game. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to enjoy it. It has massive playoff implications across the board, uh, but it's really not a game that I want to go jump on. Uh, I know another, a few people will probably want to attack the total. Um, you see a total like this with Sensi. you think they probably should be 44 and a half, 45. I'm not sure that the Patriots offense up, which is the, the main concern here, but I do think the Patriots defense is legit with those pass rushers that I, I think since he could take a half here to really get things figured out offensively. I encourage you to really listen to what Mikey said, because the hardest thing as sports betters to do is lay off, especially NFL game. We feel like we have to bet every single game. We talk about it all the time. You don't, especially when you don't know what the other side is going to do. Maybe a money line piece for the Bengals. Maybe that could be a way to attack it. But listen to that information. I misspoke. There's still two more games at 1 o'clock on Saturday. And this team right now, they become the darlings of the entire NFL. All those people who ripped up their futures ticket for the Lions to make the playoffs when they were 1-6. Now going back to the trash saying, where's those tickets? We've got a chance. 
We've got a chance. The Lions going on the road in Carolina. Panthers, they literally are playing themselves out of anything. Lions are laying two and a half on the road. Total sitting at 44. RJ, you like a side in this game. Which one? I have Detroit minus two and a half. It's up to three in a lot of places, so make sure you get the two and a half. Obviously, we want to lay that instead of the three. Love Detroit here. Detroit's offense seemingly took a step back last week. Cold weather game. People will play that narrative, and they have to go back in cold weather here. That was against an elite Jets defense. It was the most yards the Jets defense allowed since week two, most pass yards since week three. That's against the – I mean, they've played the Bills twice in that in, in that you know interim, and the Bills had less than 200 pass yards in each of those games. Detroit put up 250 on this defense. So I think you know when you take into account count the uh, the strength of the defense they were playing it was actually a pretty good game for their offense and they're backing up what they did in even colder weather earlier in the year when they played the Giants and the, and the Bears on the road so I, I'm not that worried about their offense going on the road here Carolina's defense easier to solve than the Jets obviously middle of the pack in yards per play and 25th in sack rate and Carolina's offense only had 209 yards versus Pittsburgh because it couldn't run the ball and Detroit's defense just allowed 50 rush yards to the Jets and 22 to Minnesota the week before they've been playing very good run defense and that's going to put it all on Sam Darnold again and we saw how much he struggled against against um, Pittsburgh last week. Detroit's defense has eight sacks in the last two games, so it might seem like an easier matchup for Donald. I'm not sure he's just going to get to sit back in the pocket and pick the, the Detroit defense apart, a defense that's been able to get some turnovers also and 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 create some big plays there. So really love Detroit here. I think they keep it rolling. It seems like the fish side to take them, but um, I'm doing it, especially at minus two and a half. I just think they're they're a, a top 10 team at this point, the way they're playing, and the Panthers are definitely one of the worst. So I'm willing to lay this number on the road with a good team. RJ Dominic said it best in the chat. He said, hard not to root for the fighting Dan Campbells. But then he also says, Mikey, minus two and a half, who's injured? Would you like to answer that question? Nobody. The Lions are just better than the Panthers, no? Yeah, no, I think what he's saying is he thinks the Lions should be like minus five, uh, which is, I, I get oh, it. Oh, I see. They, I didn't see that said. Okay. Yeah. 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 They don't, they definitely shouldn't be that big of favorites. Uh, you know, two and a half, I, I make the number two. I, would still lay the two and a half if I had to play it. I like Detroit. Uh, they got a nice win uh, against the Jets. I don't know if they deserve to win it. I don't think they deserve to lose it either, though. Um, you know, it's a very, very good Jets defense that they played. So they, they take a step down here against Carolina. Um, and that Lions defense is improving. It You know, they kind of have to improve, right? When the team's winning games, you're not going to be the reason that things go poorly. So they are improving in these kind of spots. Um I'm not going to play it personally. I, it's still a road game in the NFL outdoors. Um, it's where I lean, but I, I really don't want any part of this game. If anything, the model wants me to lean under on it, but again, not something that I, I really love doing with this team because I do think that, you know, I respect their ability to put up points and they, they still give up a ton of points at times. So it, it's a game and it's a great story. Classic case of you don't have to bet every single game and you can still follow it. You can still want to root for the Lions to make the playoffs. You can still do all of those things. Um, but I, I'm just going to sit this one out personally because it, th there's not a lot of value either way. Understood. Understood. All right. That is the seventh one o'clock game. By the way, Will says, Coach, I'm playing a challenge in Madden. Great to see you. Thanks for playing the game that I'm in. Five years, just signed up for two more. So thank you very much for cashing those tickets. All right, while we were talking, gentlemen, real-time update, we cashed two, well, we've cashed one, and another game looks great right now. The Guru for the Morning Show, if you played that three-way soccer parlay, that cashed in the last couple of minutes. And how about Eastern Michigan? 30 unanswered points in the first half. They're up 30-13 to 13 over San Jose State. 
currently getting three and a half, one of our best bets from the morning show. Incredible performance by them so far. Now, the Ravens did not have an incredible performance last week. They laid an egg all on their own. So everybody on Saturday got to watch them score all of this many points, gentlemen. So now they fall one game back of Cincinnati. And Lamar Jackson has been nowhere to be seen. Falcons coming to town. Ravens laying a big number, seven and a half with that hook. Falcons covered last week after the Saints jumped out to a big lead. They come back, lost 21-18, but stayed within the number. Total 37 and a half. Mikey, let me start with you. How are you choosing to attack this game? Yeah, I think this is a great spot to tease Baltimore. Um, you know, we love teasing teams, home teams, especially minus seven and a half. This was seven. Markets moved it to seven and a half. Perfect teaser leg. Going to bring this down to one and a half. I'm going to pair it with another team later. I'll tell you now, but we'll talk about it later. It's the 49ers minus one. Uh, look, I love the spot here. The Ravens defense has been absolutely legit. They played really, really well. Uh, despite losing that game. They had two missed field goals by Justin Tucker, a very rare thing indeed. Um, not going to happen often in those particular spots, certainly not against an opponent like the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons with Ritter over there. Um, look, I, I hope that the kid has a nice career at some point, certainly not projecting as the best spot to deploy him. I uh, like him a lot more in a dome in a controlled environment. Now you're putting him on the road outdoors in Baltimore. Must win game for the Ravens here at this point. Uh, it's a game that they're going to win. They're going to walk away with a win here. Uh, I think it's a really, really strong teaser leg here, getting it down to minus one and a half. RJ, last week, to Mike's point, they really tried to protect Desmond Ritter. He threw for only 97 yards, only threw it 26 times. They ran for 231 yards. So when we look at the total in this game, 37 and a half, if the Falcons are going to play that way and the Ravens can't score at all, is the total a thing to attack to go this way? Yeah, even at 37 and a half, I would lean to the under. Um, you know, Ritter's at zero as a passer versus New Orleans, and Baltimore's rush D is elite, so they're not going to give up 200 yards here. So I don't know how Atlanta scores in this game without throwing the ball with Ritter in this in this tough spot. Baltimore's offense ran all over Cleveland, and but still threw 30 passes. It was an awful game plan for them. I don't know what they were doing. Should have run it even more um, than, than what they did. Um, but instead they threw it. They got themselves in situations to try to kick field goals and then Tucker somehow misses, you know, two field goals. One was blocked, but, it, but you know, it goes down as two misses when he never misses any and ruins a teaser leg that we had. All he needed was them, you know, I think eight and a half or seven and a half. And and uh, one of those field goals would have got there. But but I'm not bitter. Don't worry. So I'm not teasing Baltimore <laughs> here in this spot. Um, Atlanta's easier to throw on than pass, but Baltimore's pass offense is not dangerous. And Devin Duvernay suffered an injury in practice today. So we'll see what they had the end up claiming Sammy Watkins off waivers. Um, so we'll see what that pass game looks like. I don't know that they're going to do much against Atlanta because they can't throw the ball much. It's going to be heavy. Mark Andrews probably. So I think it's definitely staying under if Lamar is out. But this number at seven and a half makes it look like there's a solid chance that he's playing because um, I want to make the line less if, if he definitely is out. So um, I, I'm going to lean to the under here. That's going to be my only lean here. And I can't wait to hear the DFS pod with Mikey later this week to see if Baltimore is going to be a top defensive play because that's what I'm eyeing right now in DFS. Yeah, that's definitely a show you want to listen to. Mikey and C and Ajad always bring in unbelievable content, and it's work you don't want to do. Mikey, go. Yeah, I want to say uh, it might surprise people to know, too, Baltimore was one team that took a pretty significant positive boost uh, in my ratings despite losing that game. Um, seeing their Fine. run defense still being very legit and they able to run the ball 
when Lamar's back in charge of this offense, I think this team is one that you really don't want to play if they're in the playoffs. I think they can manage the heck out of a, a one-game situation. I, I don't think you want to play Baltimore if that defense continues to play the way it has. And it has now for seven games um, to the point where I've taken notice. So they, they did receive a pretty decent bump up despite losing a game. If you are, let's say, Kansas City, Miami, you want Lamar Jackson coming to your house wild card weekend? I don't nope. think so. I don't think so. Great point by Mikey. All right, those are all of the 1 o'clock games. Thank goodness several of those that we say, ah, we're not going to watch. They're going to be just stinkers. They're all part of those eight games. There's two at 4 o'clock, and they're both games you will want to watch. Let's start with the first one at 4.05 Eastern time, gentlemen. The Commanders at the 49ers. The fighting Brock Purdy's continue to look good. Even with a banged-up rib, he played strong. He played good against Seattle. He managed the team, and it looks like the team's really starting to rally around him as their number one quarterback. So, Mikey, let me start with you. Raven, or excuse me, 49ers are laying seven. The total is 39 and a half. And the commanders are coming off a very disappointing game where they answered more questions about the refs than they did about the actual game. So this is an awful spot to travel all the way across the country to face one of the best teams in the league. Your thoughts? Yeah, look, I think the number is about right. Uh, I think that this game is one that we'll see a ton of different opinions on as far as where the numbers should be. Makes a ton of sense, right? We've got a rookie quarterback, Brock Purdy, back there. Uh, that That's going to, you know, depending on what your rating is on him, is going to put you on one side of the game or the other or tell you to just simply stay away from it. Uh, I personally don't think the quarterback is that important in that offense. I think that George Kittle is going to be absorbing enough of a role in this particular matchup as well. Um, with Christian McCaffrey, knock on wood, he's remained healthy really all season here. Uh, they've got another running back. We'll see if Mason gets carries more in this particular spot, but I, I think that they're the better team and I think they ultimately get the win. So I'm not laying the seven points. I, I make the number seven breaking a little bit of a rule, but I'm doing it because they're playing at home. I'm including them in the teaser with the Ravens. So it's going to be minus one and a half 49ers minus one. Uh, ultimately I expect them to get out of this game with a win. Um, not going to shock me if they win by 10 points. If they do, it's going to be through their stellar defense once again. Um, but I, I love the 49ers defense. I think they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender, uh, largely because they play in the NFC. And I think that road is significantly easier than the AFC this year. Uh, but I think this is a particularly good matchup for them against Washington. Not necessarily, again, in terms of covering spreads, but in terms of winning football games on the field, I, I think it's a good spot for them. I think you bring up a great, great point because when you look at the other teams that have a record as good, if not a little bit better than San Francisco at 10-4, and four, it's Minnesota, it's Dallas, and it's the Eagles. We'll talk about those last two just in a moment. But, RJ, when I come to you, when I say those three teams and we know what the Eagles are going to be facing, I think the 49ers are the team to beat. But you rarely, if ever, say that about a team that's on their third quarterback but it speaks to how good Brock Purdy has been a game manager. What have you seen? 
Yeah, they, they've been playing really well with Purdy at quarterback because the, the quarterback doesn't have to do too much. He won and covered again, but San Francisco's offense did get a free TD at the end of the first half there. I think it was a two-yard drive, so they really didn't deserve that one. And then it, you take that away, it's a much closer game. Otherwise, it's a ho-hum game versus the awful Seattle defense. Washington's defense, much better, much playing much better than the Seattle defense. It's a huge step up for him here. Washington's offense having trouble scoring touchdowns consistently. Now they're up against probably the best defense in the NFL. But Washington's defense hasn't given up more than 21 points since week four. So I don't think the San Francisco offense can run away from them here. Another low projected total at 39 and a half. Washington may just need 13 to cover if the defense plays well again and holds San Francisco in that 20 point range. That's why my lean would be to Washington. I think the number's too big. I think if you want to play San Francisco, you probably do have to tease it like Mikey's doing. Right now, all four teams in the NFC East would be in the playoffs if they started today. We know they're going to be playing against each other, but right now they would be. That tie actually helps Washington that they had with the Giants three weeks ago. All right, the other late game, 425 Eastern time. And, gentlemen, there is a lot to unpack with this one. Let's start with the Dallas side. They're hosting this game. They went to Jacksonville last week, had a 17-point lead, started celebrating and then laid the biggest egg that they've laid all season. And then, to add insult to injury, they threw a horrendous pick six. It was tipped right off the ground, taken back 40-34, to a devastating loss for the Cowboys, who still had their sights, Mikey, set on the Eagles, who are now 13-1. and They go into Chicago and get the job done. Then two days later, one day later, they announced that Jalen Hurts, in all likelihood, will miss this game this Saturday with a shoulder injury. Now, which team has more to overcome based off everything I just said? I mean, I think it's still the Eagles just because I don't expect to play in this game. Uh, there was a report that came out today. Sirianni said it's possible that he could still be ready for this game. I think he's just talking at this point. I don't think there's any real desire or urge to bring him back for this game if he's truly hurt like he is. Um, so I don't think that'll happen. We did see the market move one point on it. I played the Eagles here at plus six. It is it's now currently at the moment at five. Uh, I don't think you have to rush to play it at five. I still like it at five. You don't have to rush, in my opinion. Um, I I don't think Jalen Hurts plays. I think this number goes back to six once it's very clear and obvious that he doesn't play. Um, I make the number three and a half at this point. So it's getting through some pretty key numbers, especially once we get it up to six here in this spot. Minshew, we, we know Minshew mania. He's played well at certain times. I actually like this offense for him. He's got a very legit offensive line. He's got awesome weapons in A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. Dallas Goddard is back for this game. These are legit weapons. It's kind of interesting to see what this offense will look like with more of a pocket passer, not someone who's like designed runs. Uh, you know, they're going to miss Jalen Hurts at times, but ultimately I think this isn't that bad of a spot. At least it's indoors in a controlled environment for him. That, I think, is a really important factor in terms of not having elements mixing up throws. Uh, it's a lot easier to be on time with guys like Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown when you're playing in that controlled environment, an environment that they're likely been practicing in uh, a lot more than, again, playing outdoors in an NFL game. So all those things, I think, actually lean towards the Eagles side here. Dak Prescott continues to throw interceptions. Uh, it's just a game that, you know, you never want to throw Minshew in there, but I don't think this is a particularly bad spot. Again, it comes against a division opponent, one that the teams have a ton of data on. They've already been preparing for this team in general. 
Um, I, I don't think that it's as bad as everyone thinks it is on this particular spot. I think it's a little bit of an overreaction. Um, so I'm going to take the Eagles here plus six. Again, it's down to plus five now. Still like it there. I personally would recommend waiting it out if you can't find the five and a half, the sixes right now, uh, because I personally don't see any way Jalen Hurts plays in this game. I want everybody at home to go back on YouTube. If you think Minshew's not legit, he came into stardom in Jacksonville. He didn't have any of the weapons that he will have this week for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's a legit starter. In the yeah, league. in the offensive. You know, we talk about weapons all the time. The, the most important weapon for a quarterback is the offensive line, <laughs> and especially when you're the backup. They, they've got a legitimate offensive line with a team that can run the football pretty well still. Um I, I don't, I personally could be very, very wrong here. And it's highly speculative, of course, which is frankly where you have mm-hmm. opportunities to make the most money when you're willing to go speculate on spots. Um, I, I don't think it's that bad of a spot for the Eagles. If there's one thing RJ Mikey has taught us over the years is that when there's a quarterback change, it's not as much of a market mover as sometimes the market moves it. And this moved it almost seven points six points just from this announcement. Do you think that five and a half or six is where it should be? Or are people getting two or three points of value already? Well, I had the Eagles at plus eight and a half, eight and a half points better than average um, heading into last week. And with the quarterback downgrade, it's obviously a downgrade. Hertz is an M- was the MVP favorite, um, you know, before he got hurt, before his injury was announced. Um, so it is a downgrade, even though we like Minshew. We think Minshew is a good quarterback. But I look at that supporting cast, the offensive line, the weapons that Philly has um, in the passing game, a solid running game, like Mikey's saying. Then on defense, where they're very good, number one in yards per play um, in the passing game, just one team with 200 pass yards since week five. Um, I think that, that that just it's a complete team. It's like San Francisco. In San Francisco, I have as a plus three team with Brock Purdy, so I had to make Philly a plus three team. And that, to me, puts the line at six right now when you throw in Cowboys home field advantage. So I think this is around where the line should be. Um, Dallas offense will want to attack Philly with the run game. That'll limit possessions, probably keep it a little tighter. It is a third straight road game for Philly, but that's not necessarily bad when you're a, a relatively big underdog. We just saw Miami cover in a, in a tough road spot there. Two games on the West Coast, then had to travel to Buffalo. Very similar spot you know in a big divisional game and they covered the number um Minshew played well at, in, in his start at the Jets last year with this team he has an elite supporting cast I think Philly can cover I would lean, at six I would probably lean to Philly as well um but that's how I'm looking at it right now all right very good they got a lot of leadership on this team too to Maki's point who is the leader of the offensive line it's the center it's Jason Kelsey and he runs everything else for the Eagles great spot now you guys are talking me into the Eagles and I kind of like it if I'm getting that many points I really really do all right one more game on Saturday Christmas Eve 8 15 Eastern time 39 and a half is the total Steelers are giving three Mikey last Sunday we talked about the Steelers and you were one of the only voices that I heard said you know what I actually like the Steelers to go into Carolina and take care of the Panthers and they controlled the game from start to finish now they stare at their record and say wait a second we've got three games to go we have a chance to make the playoffs here who do you think has the better uh chance but also we're talking about a Raiders team that is coming off one of the most emotional unexpected wins after trailing by eight with what 15 seconds to go and get that done interesting matchup here yeah, it's a super interesting matchup here. Uh, I think the number's just about right here when accounting for the home field advantage. Uh, Steelers have home fans everywhere they play, but they certainly do at home. 
Uh, Cross-country travel, not a big dish deal when you're talking about a primetime game like this. Uh, looks like Pickett will be back for this one as well. The Steelers' defense is good. It's always a tough task to shut down Devontae Adams, uh, especially when they've got additional weapons that are going to be able to help take some pressure off of them. Um, so I'm not attacking the side on this one. I, again, I think it's mostly right. Um, I think that if you wanted to attack on a side, I think you'd probably be better served to play it in-game because I do expect it to kind of be a back-and-forth game, if you will. Um, it's crazy to say that I have a slight lean on the over in a Steelers game. Uh, but I do at this point, uh, just because it's and a half, I think the numbers should be 41 minimum in the market. Um, you leave some pretty key numbers out there. So at 39 and a half, I'll lean towards the over. This game has the feeling of one that can somehow get to 24, 20, um, either way in, in this particular spot. So that would clearly get us home at that. Point. Um, that that's where I'm going to lean in it, but it, it's not a strong play. I'll watch the game. We'll talk about it. I'll probably play some DFS showdown slates for it. But with, with Pickett coming back, you know, I, I think the Steelers deserve to be slight favorites at home, but it's not a situation that I really want to go attack. So slight over lean and move on to Sunday. To Mikey's point, RJ, if the Raiders, and this is a staggering stat, if they would have won every game that they led in the first half, and most of them were by double digits, they would be 10 and four at this point. They're still six and eight, not out of the playoff race, but they have blown some big, big leads this year, which I think leads into, we don't know what they're going to do from week to week, or if they can hold a lead or come back from a deficit. What do you make of this nighttime game in the steel city? Yeah, it's bad coaching. You can't hold those leads. You got to be able to hold those leads. It's good that you're able to get in a position to lead the game, but as the game's going on, you got to make your adjustments and be able to, to win games that you're up by double digits and they can't do it. Pittsburgh, we know they have a great coaching staff in place there with Mike Tomlin running running the uh, the the whole team there. And then even Matt Canada's had some success calling some plays. You know, the very much pan Matt, Matt Canada, every Steelers fan wanted to get rid of beginning of this year, but they've done some solid things on offense, especially running the ball. Pittsburgh's offense, 150 plus rush yards in three of the last four games. And New England's offense ran all over Vegas's defense. We saw it in that last play before the Jacoby Myers fumble. I know that the last plays get weird, but but Vegas's defense excelled on third down against New England, where New England went two of 13. Pittsburgh's offense was 12 of 16 on third down against Carolina. Um, and even though Pittsburgh's offense is 28th in yards per play, they are eighth in third down rate. So I think that it's a solid chance they can continue to have success calling those third down plays and executing there, especially with their number one quarterback back. Pittsburgh's defense elite against the run. That puts the ball in, in Derek Carr's hands where you do not want it in freezing temperature. He's 0-4 in freezing temperatures with bad numbers, and I accidentally spelled in my notes numbers with an R in place of the E, so it says B-R-R-S, so I don't know why subconsciously I did that, but I think it's going to be a tough game for Carr. Also, 1-7 one, one below 40 degrees, also bad numbers there. Um, so with that coaching advantage, I, I want to get it at 2.5. I love Pittsburgh at 2.5, um, but even if the 2.5s don't come back, I'm going to be looking that way at 3. All right. Very, very good. We have made it through. The entire Saturday slate. It feels like it's a little bit more this week because it's spread out over four days. So we get a little extra Christmas present. Normally, gentlemen, we've got five NBA games to talk about on Christmas Day, and we do. But we also have three NFL games to talk about as well. And this first one, I'm very much interested in. Seems like the Green Bay Packers may have waited a little bit too long to get their mojo going. But it's going. They win last night 24 to 12 over the Fighting Baker Mayfields. They're now six and eight, very much alive in the playoff race. The Dolphins are laying four and a half. They're in a free fall. 
They get smoked by the Niners. They get smoked by the Chargers. Then they have a lead late in Buffalo, and they can't hold on to that either. So now, when you look at these standings, eight and six Miami after losing three in a row. So they've got to win this game. And Mikey, you like the other side this week. Why do you like Green Bay? Yeah, I like Green Bay here. Uh, you know, good news, bad news. Good news, it's moving in my favor. I bet this at plus five. It's down to four and a half in some spots, four in other spots. Um, I, I don't anticipate it going to three and a half, but I, I think it probably settles at four. Um, I, I like the Packers, though. Uh, I think that they've turned it on a little bit here, starting with putting up 33 points on the road against the Eagles. Took care of Chicago, relatively easy game to win. Took care of the Rams, easy game to win. Still have to go out there and win them. The game was never really truly in doubt, in my opinion. Both running backs were fantastic. A.J. Dillon was great. The good news is he avoided the concussion protocol today. That is massive for his status playing in this game. Uh, but I think it sets up as a decent matchup for them against Miami. So the Packers are really, really bad at one thing. And it's typically stopping the run. Um, teams can run all over them. The good news is Miami, even though they have a great running back in Raheem Mostert, they don't run a ton because they have the weapons with Tua and Waddle and Tyree Kill. However, I think the blueprint's kind of out a little bit on slowing down Miami just a bit in this particular spot. We saw it with the Chargers a lot. You're putting a ton of pressure on them at the line of scrimmage, jamming them, and then basically defending the middle of the field. Uh, and, and I think that that's what the Packers are going to be able to do here. They're good against the pass. Um, Aaron Rodgers has some weapons back at this point. I mentioned both running backs healthy. A.J. Dillon is really a massive, massive weapon in the red zone. He's just so hard to bring down. But he also, if you watched that game last night, his involvement in the passing game, he's really improved as a pass-catching running back. And then, of course, the wide receivers. Last night was the first time all season they had all three receivers on the field at the same time with Dobbs, Watson, and Lazard. Now, Dobbs was eased back into action. It doesn't seem like he was eased back into it because he led the team in receiving. He only ran 10 routes. He had a target and caught a pass on five of the 10. Uh, so when he was on the field, that's where Aaron Rodgers was looking. I think it makes all the difference in the world having all of those guys healthy. Um, Rodgers, we know, loves being the underdog at this point in his career. He loves playing that role here. I think it's a pretty good spot. And then lastly, I know I'm ranting long on this one because I love this game. Uh, the weather in Miami is typically a massive home field advantage. That's because we talk about it early in the season. It's not at all at this point in the season. It's going to be 60 degrees and raining in this particular spot. Not going to help the Miami side at all, in my opinion. I love the Packers here. I think they are very live to win this game outright. If you guys watch the early edge and you're pro a part of everything that we do, then you know when Prop Stars does certain things, he really likes to play. Mikey's the same way when he really likes to play. So I would encourage you to rewind the show if you're watching on demand the last 60 seconds and really listen to what he said about this entire game. Now, to Mikey's point, RJ, 71 yards combined in the air for Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Combined total on the ground and in the air, 197 yards between the two. They found their little mojo, as Mikey said. So if that's the case and the weather's going to be rainy and it can be kind of hot and southern sticky, all that kind of stuff, are the Packers live in this game? They could be. My worry is about the Miami defense just not being able to shut the door. I think that teams can backdoor them, especially now that the Green Bay pass game is whole, like Mikey's saying there. Um, so they could definitely get the backdoor if they need it. Green Bay's defense coming off a great game. 
face possibly the worst offense in the league when you when you take Rams injuries into account. They're right down there, I think, with the, the Broncos at this point. 400-plus yards allowed in four straight prior, though, for the Green Bay defense, including games against Tennessee and Chicago, not exactly you know lighting up the scoreboard otherwise. Miami's offense did find their ground game against Buffalo, and Green Bay is 30th in rush yards per play. So now that if they want to carry that over, I think that's the way you attack Green Bay. The Green Bay offense wasn't that impressive against the Rams coming out the bye. I expected them to score more points there. Um, but the Miami defense can leave the back door open, so the Packers could get Packers could get there. I wouldn't want to lay a ton of points with Miami. My power ratings have Miami minus six. I still have them power rated well below where they were a few weeks back because Tua does, still doesn't look healthy. Obviously, they got it all done with the run game we got, uh, last week. So we'll see if if he gets healthy at some point. I'm going to adjust them up, and this number, uh, you know, would be even higher in that in that case. For the teams we're looking at now, I have it at six, which means I should be leaning Miami. I just don't want to play that many points with them with that defense. So I'm going to hopefully it goes down like Mikey's saying. If it gets to four, I might think about Miami. Okay. Also, Dominic chat question said, would rain affect the 49 and a half total? Dominic, no. What will affect it is the fact that we don't play Packers overs. Why? They're the slowest team in the NFL, period. Aaron Rodgers runs the clock down every single play to one. Don't play an over for the Green Bay Packers ever, or unless Mikey or RJ tell you to. All right. This next game. When we say we're not watching one single second of it, I mean it. But it's a standalone. <laughs> and so you had nothing else on Sunday afternoon. You're tired of the fam. The kids are crying. You want to go downstairs? This is the game that you will be on. The Broncos laying two on the road. The fighting Brett Rippins at SoFi. I will not be going to the game, even though I could probably get a very good ticket. Total 36 and a half. Yuck, RJ. However, you have found a side that you like in this one. What is it? Yeah, well, first, put the game on for the kids. This is the Nickelodeon game. You know, love, love watching the slime time with the Nickelodeon stuff they do. Though. It's a really good broadcast they put on. You know, I don't have any kids myself, but really think that that uh, it's really engaging for that type of audience. And that gives you a reason to watch the game. And if you, when you talk about slime time, I mean, this, these are the two teams you probably would think about being slimy here. Denver losing six and six to three at home at halftime to a bad Arizona defense. Then Colt McCoy gets hurt early third quarter, gets out of the game, and and uh, Broncos are able to roll from there. Rams offense just 160 yards against a mediocre Green Bay defense. Baker Buzz was premature when he had led that rally. So two bad offenses here. Um, if McVay isn't awful, the Rams should have the coaching advantage and home field um, because the Denver coaching staff isn't that great. But I can't lay points with Denver on the road. Best bet is to tease the Rams. Um, it's two and a half now, so you can get it up to that magical plus eight and a half number. Tease it with the Saints. I like having both of them at plus eight and a half in the teaser this week. Okay. Now, Big Cheesy says, I like the over in this one. I don't know why, but I think it goes over. Mikey, before people call Big Cheesy crazy, we were on the over in the Cardinals Broncos last week. And it was 6-3 at halftime. They scored 30 in the second half to cast the over for us. Is Big Cheesy crazy? No. Uh, I lean towards the over pretty much any time you get a, a situation where you're in a controlled environment with NFL teams, which is where we're at here in the Dome, and you can get home with a 17-20 to 20 victory. That is what – or 20-17 to 17 victory. That is what you have here at 36 and a half. Um, so, yeah, I have no issues starting pregame on the over here in this spot. Uh, it's also one that because of the number where it's at to start the game, uh, if you don't see a lot of scoring early in this one, you're going to start getting live numbers like we did in that game at 26 and a half, 27 and a half, 28 and a half, uh, all incredibly low numbers for, again, 
a game that is not being impacted by the weather. That is what we have to stress the most in this particular spot. Um, look, it, it's a good opportunity for Baker Mayfield to go out there and try and put up some more points, right, and, and put some more yards out there. Um, and same thing on the Denver side. So, yeah, I don't want any part of playing it. I make the Broncos minus three and a half, believe it or not. Um, not super anxious to go play it personally. So I, I think that it's a spot where Judy can have some success. Uh, there'll be some success on the Rams side. Baker Mayfield is still going to treat it like it's a Super Bowl, um, which is great. You love that about the guy, honestly. Um, so, yeah, if I had to play anything in this game, it would honestly be the over at 36 and a half. I would not want to play it above 37, above 37 and a half, things like that. Please, please, please just keep the 2017 victory in play here. Very, very important. And there's nothing that drives me crazier than a professional player that shows me he doesn't care. And that's why I think your point about Baker Mayfield is well noted. He always, whether you like him or you don't, he shows up ready to play and he shows you he's excited to play. Brett Rippon, he's got something to show too. He's got something to show too. And he played pretty well on Sunday, scoring some points. All right. Last game on Sunday night, 820 Eastern time, total 41. And we continue to focus and put a spotlight on the fighting Tom Brady's and those bucks. Now that lead that they had in the division, it is all but gone, but gentlemen, it's so weird. It's six and eight. They're still a first place team, but they only have a one game lead over all three of their other teams. There is no margin for error, and the sports books have made the bucks a six and a half point favorite. So RJ, let me start with you because last week for the first I don't know, 25 minutes, they look like the old Bucks, And then the last 35 minutes, they look like the Bucks of the last three weeks. Who do you think is the real team? Somewhere in the middle. Um, the, their problem is they allowed this 20, like I said earlier, 24 points on four consecutive drives on just 96 yards. Their defense actually just allowed 3.8 yards per play against Cincinnati. Um, very, you know, very encouraging stuff there for a defense that has struggled at times. I think this is a fair line with Trace McSorley, a quarterback, had three, has three interceptions and 29 pass attempts, uh, was bad in the preseason. Um, you can get a defensive touchdown from Tampa here and help you cover. Um, Tampa offense, I don't think he's going to turn the ball over a ton against a mediocre Arizona defense that looks like toast to me. I mean, when the Kyler Murray injury happened, that team seemed to deflate after after halftime there. Um, and and we saw, you know, the, the careless fumble from DeAndre Hopkins in that, that game. Then you get the Colt McCoy injury. They were ahead in that point they deflate and, and all of a sudden they're losing that game by a big margin. So they're one and six at home. They don't have a great home field advantage. They're down to their third string quarterback. I think the Cardinals are going to get hammered here. I would lean to the bucks even after it's inflated to minus six and a half. I think the line should be seven. And even then I'd probably look bucks. All right, Mikey, would you agree? Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I think we saw a pretty decent preview of uh, this exact situation uh, last night. So, you know, pregame, I didn't play it. We talked about it. Massive edge on, Green Bay, we made the number minus 12, didn't want to play it with everyone coming back uh, and just the weather situation, their lack of desire to go finish teams. So I stayed off of it. Same spot here, though. Um, it, it's a spot where we project this number closer to nine than seven. Um, I think it's one that it looks like they're begging you to take the Bucks minus six and a half. I personally think it's the right side in this one. Uh, Arizona's in, in a rough, rough spot here in this particular spot. So, yeah, must win for the Bucks. They're going to go win it, take care of business. Uh, again, one of the four turnovers going differently, and the Bucs are incredibly live to win that game against the Bengals. Um, you know, it's just an unfortunate situation for them, but good news for them. They can still win their division, still make the playoffs. 
this is a spot just like the Packers had last night. And remember, Kyler Murray out with a torn ACL, and um, his name's not coming. He got knocked out with a concussion. Cole McCoy. Cole McCoy, thank you. He got knocked out last week with a concussion. Have we heard anything on the quarterback situation yet? Did I miss it? I don't think so, no. Okay. Uh, I, I don't think so, no, but it's worth noting that the look-ahead line on this game was three and three and a half. Uh, and that was with Colt McCoy playing uh, in the previous week. So I would say that it's pretty clear Colt McCoy is not playing in this game because um, I would and expect the gap from McSorley to McCoy to still be three-plus points. I would say that the gap from Murray to McCoy is not as big as the gap from McCoy to McSorley, if, if right. you know, as crazy as that sounds, just because McCoy has shown he can run this offense and McSorley has not shown he's, a, he's an NFL quarterback at this point. Great, great, great point. By the way, the look-ahead lines, if you're new to the brand, you can bet games before the other games are over. We do a look-ahead line every Sunday on our uh, 10 a.m. show. So if you're into that, you want to watch that live because RJ does a great job of looking forward to the following week before the games this week have been played. All right, gentlemen, there is one more game. Very, very important for one of the teams. But it's another one of these fascinating matchups that we have this week. You've got the hosts, the Colts, who now have made history. Last week, they became the team that's going to be the answer to who had the biggest comeback in the history of the NFL happen against them. Up 33-0. The fighting just Saturdays. Celebrating all over Minnesota. Until they weren't. And they lose 39-36. The Chargers, very workmanlike. But Mr. Herbert did not look good at all against the Titans. They did win. They did not cover. 17-14 kind of a push. If you had him at three, I had him on the money line. Uh, but they're 8-6 and six and very much alive in the playoff race. So, Mikey, let me start with you. They're laying four. And Jonathan Taylor's been put on the IR. He's gone. He's not going to play for this Colts team. I love the Chargers this week. Do the Colts have anything left? It's disgusting. It's gross. It is the plug-your-nose play. The computer wants us to play the Colts uh, plus four. The number should be two. Um, Yeah, it wants us to play the Colts. I haven't decided if I'm going to do it. It's a good spot for a primetime dog at home. the good news is, yes, Jonathan Taylor's out. Zach Moss still has a little power. Deion Jackson back there. Anyone with a pulse can run against the Chargers defense. Um, if they can run against the Chargers defense, eat clock, play in a controlled environment, Chargers not going to put a ton of pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Matt Ryan should have a clean pocket to throw out of. It's a gross, gross play. Again, <laughs> I haven't played it yet. We'll figure out, you know, obviously be on the primetime stream for this game. Um yeah, it's it's a gross spot, but we lean towards the Colts here, as nasty as it sounds. How hard is it, because you've, you've created such an incredible brand for yourself and your model, to when your heart tells you one thing, but your model tells you the other? How hard is that to do? It can definitely be difficult. You typically just, I personally just sit out in a lot of those spots or find alternative ways to attack the game, whether it be a player prop, whether it be a total, uh, things like that, but uh yeah, it's important to understand you don't have to bet every game just because it's on. That Ever since I started here the last two years, that's the one thing I think I've learned more than anything else because I used to be that guy. I would bet every – if it was on the board, I'm betting it. Even if I didn't like it, I'm, and then I'm kicking myself almost every single time. So now, RJ, let me come to you because the Chargers, if they get to the end of the year and they do not 
make the playoffs, they will have nobody to blame but themselves. But they're playing a little bit better than they were earlier in the season. So laying four, is this number in your mind also too big? Yeah, it feels like they're playing better, but their biggest winning margin since week four is six points. They're just unable to mm. blow out teams, no matter the competition. And that that week four game was against the Texans, a very bad Texans team. They won by 10. So, I mean, okay, good. You got to 10 against the Texans, but you just can't blow out teams. Um, but you can stick a fork in the Colts, I think, after this historic collapse. No Taylor or running back. I don't see how they rally back and, and compete in this game. Even against a bad Chargers rush defense, they can't really control the game with that offensive line and a backup running back back there. The Chargers defense has three games allowing under 300 yards all year. Well, two were in the last two weeks. So that Chargers defense is really playing its best football right now. And we know the offense got back its weapons and is now healthy at receiver. Um, Indy's defense typically good against the pass, but Minnesota torched them in the second half last week for that rally. I don't see Indy scoring a lot here. Knowing that the Chargers play down to the level of their competition or up to the level of their competition, I think that it's going to be down in this case and it's going to be a lower scoring game. It was leaning to the under at 47. It's down to 46 and a half. Would still lean that way, but that's really the only thing I'm looking at because I don't trust the Chargers to cover as more than three-point favorites in any situation. I know there's a lot of people complaining last week. Oh, I had the under. It was a horrible play. They had like three defensive and special teams touchdowns. You can't predict for that. So don't kick yourself. Sometimes the right play doesn't come in. And I love when we say that. And then people at home are like, that's the dumbest thing. No, it's not. It happens. It happens. All right. It is that time of the day. Our recap of our best bets brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook and Casino. RJ, start us off. What do you like this week so far? I have the Lions minus two and a half. I believe they're a top 10 team and you should be willing to lay two and a half points against a bad team on the road. I don't really buy into the cold stuff at all. I think they've played pretty well in the cold. I have the Bears plus nine. I believe that they can hang with the Bills in what's supposed to be a lower scoring game because of the weather. Um, they showed that they could hang with the Eagles last week. I believe they'll do it here against Buffalo, especially since Buffalo has not been winning by big margins. I have a teaser teasing the Saints and the Rams. You can tease them both to plus eight and a half in the market right now. Saints are going to be, it has the lowest scoring total in the last 14 years, as Mikey was saying. Um, so that game isn't going to get out of hand. Saints should be able to cover that um, by plus eight and a half. And then the Rams plus eight and a half against a very bad Denver team shouldn't be laying points on the road against anyone, even as bad as the Rams are. Love being able to catch eight and a half points with both of these teams. I love it too. Mikey, talk to me. Philadelphia Eagles plus six. Also plus five is fine. Back moving around. I would wait though. I think it moves back to six. Uh, look, Minshew, Best situation he's ever had. Elite offensive line, elite weapons. The team can run the ball. Environment indoors. Uh, it's just a great spot for him, in my opinion. Packers on the road at Miami, plus four and a half. Wide receiver trio is healthy. Both running backs are healthy. Miami, not so much. No home field, really. No home field advantage to speak of in this particular one for Miami. Give me the Packers here. Vikings, minus three. Minus three and a half is okay as well. I uh, love this particular spot for him. I think the Giants are inflated in the market after stealing one against the Commanders. Look for the Vikings to roll. I don't think the Giants can keep up offensively. And then I have a teaser here, Ravens, minus seven and a half. Now that this thing has moved to seven and a half as a home team, perfect teaser candidate. We're going to pair it with the 49ers to get a win at home against the Commanders. And those are our best bets brought to you as always by Caesar Sportsbook and Casino. All right, it's that time of the show. You know, you know we like to end every single show asking my experts, my cappers, my crew members, what's the number one most important thing on their plate to look forward to this week? You just watched for the last 60 plus minutes. Nobody know more knows more about the NFL than my guys do. But there are things that they're always looking for. RJ, start us off. 
Yeah, crazy weather going on uh, this weekend, so we'll see how that affects some of these games. I'm really looking forward to seeing if Detroit can continue to win games uh, and Jacksonville, for that matter, as well on Thursday. Just I want to see both these teams in the playoffs. They feel like they're top 12 teams with the way they're playing right now. So hopefully we can get a W for Detroit, and those of us that do have them to make the playoffs are still alive and looking very good at this point. Mikey, what about you? Yeah, there's two games I want to talk about and look at. It's going to be Cincinnati on the road at New England. Uh, Tough spot to always go win a game. I want to see if they can keep their run going. And then, of course, the Eagles, Gardner Midshu look like. How serious is Jalen Hurts' injury? Uh, Can the Cowboys steal one in this spot at home? And I'm looking forward to who is for real. It doesn't seem like anybody wants the number one seed. It doesn't look like anybody wants to separate themselves as the clear best team in their divisions. Right now, if you ask anybody who's going to play in the Super Bowl, we just don't know. And maybe that's a good thing. But when you're doing a sports betting brand, you kind of want to know. So we'll be watching these games very, very close, as we always do as a crew, so we can bring you the best information, just like on this show every single week. Gentlemen, about as good as it gets, so thank you very much. Now, that's all the damage we can do. We broke down all 16 games right here on our mega preview. And with that being said, there's only one thing left to do. And I believe you all know what that is. You've got your marching orders. Let's take all of these NFL tickets straight to the pay window. For my entire crew, love them all. The stoic one, RJ White, M squared, AB and the snake behind the scenes. I am the coach. We're here every single day, multiple times a day. But this show, every single week at 4.30 p.m., Eastern time. Don't miss it. Turn on your notifications. Watch it live. At least watch it on demand. You don't want to go into an NFL week without this show. We call it the early edge. Good luck.